It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone. AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the car doctor here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. And it looks like it's going to be a very nice Saturday morning in the Boston area. So uh, hopefully all things are going good for you today. You know, it might be a good day to go out and buy a car. uh, But, you know, sometimes buying a car, well, here's the problem. Here's what I see the problem with buying a car. Car salesmen sell a lot more cars than than you as an individual buy. So they're better at selling than you are at buying. And with us on the phone is Lisa Copeland. Lisa Copeland's been uh, in the world of car sales for a long time. Good morning, Lisa, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Well, hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, sure. Um, Give our listeners a little idea about you, uh, kind of a thumbnail sketch of who you are and what you've been doing for the past bunch of years. Well, my name's Lisa Copeland. I'm a former uh, dealer principal, which means automotive dealer, uh, here in Austin, Texas. And I I, I actually relaunched the Fiat brand back to the U.S. So some days that was good, and some days that was tough. (laughs) And um, I sold my store three years ago and started my company, Cars Her Way, where we work with um, automotive dealers to help them uh, accelerate the consumer experience, not only for women, but for all consumers. Well, it's really true. Dennis, my producer, was out kind of shopping around a couple weeks ago, and he saw a great lease deal. And when he got there, come to find out it was complete nonsense. The uh, the dealer experience was not very good. I was talking to someone the other day who uh, who priced out a car through True Car. They got to the dealership, and the, and the dealer said, well, no, that price is only if you finance through us. Uh, the person called True Car and said that's not in the, their agreement. There is no small print in our agreement with them that it requires dealer financing. So there still is a fair amount of shenanigans that go on in the car sales business, isn't there? There is, and it's it's too bad, and, and I don't understand it. You know, one of the things that we really prided ourselves on when I had my dealership was the consumer experience and, you know, and, and, and doing what we say we're going to do. And I always told my salespeople, if our customer has a problem, we have a problem. So either you fix it or, or I'm going to write a check, mm. right? It, I mean. It really is about kind of under-promising and over-delivering, isn't it? Really just make the make the experience good. You know, somebody comes in and you and, and when they leave, they're like, wow, that was a lot better than I expected it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. Because I'll tell you what, the consumer expectations are so low when they go into a car dealership because of the stories like you just told me. And you and I both know there's millions of those stories everywhere, right? And so their expectations are already so low. So what kills me is when I hear these stories and I'm like, the expectations were already on the ground, and you still screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You would, you would think if uh, you went in with low expectations, uh, it, would, it would give you a little bit of a bar to shoot a little bit higher, but you're, but you're absolutely right. And sometimes, you know, when, when, you go in, when you go in and you go shopping, there are um, – it's kind of a funny – well, I guess it's a little bit of a funny business, too, because um, 
Where else do you go that you can know more about what the person's selling and how much they paid for it um, at a car dealership than any place else? If you go into uh, if you go in to buy a couch, you don't know what the uh, the furniture store paid for it, and you don't really know that much about it. But there is so much information online and so much pricing information online now. You know, in a lot of cases, more than what the salesperson knows, which you would think would put you as a customer in advantage, but that's not really the case, is it? No, you're 100% correct. And you're right. And so, you know, and that's why I tell consumers, you know, be a good consumer and do your homework first. You know, don't just walk into the dealership cold, you know, kind of try to identify number one, what, what card is you're looking for, you know, get, you know, try to find out what the base price is to your point that's totally available on the internet you know, go to uh, vendors like, <clears throat> excuse me, True Trade or Cars.com or KBB, any of them, and at least get a base number on your trade-in. So the more armed you are as a consumer, and then, of course, you know, you want to check out the dealership themselves. You want to look at the ratings, you know, on Google or Yelp, and you want to see what other people are saying about them. So if you go to a place that's got decent ratings and you, you've done your homework, you can hopefully lift that experience a little bit off the floor. Mm. What's your feeling between giant mega dealers and kind of mom and pop dealerships? Do you are, can they can they both be good? Do you prefer one over the other? Yeah, um, <laughs> you have good questions this morning. Um, the mega dealers, you know, you know, I think they're fine. Um, they're very corporate typically, so they usually have pretty tight policies and procedures. But they're still in the people game. So if that salesperson has an off day or the manager just doesn't feel like, you know, he wants he or she want to do their job that day, you're still going to have a bad experience. You know, I was what I considered a mom or pop dealership. You know, I only sold about 150 to 200 cars a month. And because of that, I always felt like I had to work harder than my competitor, that we had to know more. I had to have better pricing. And so I have a personal preference to the smaller dealerships. Um, I think it's a little easier to get to the owner like myself <clears throat> or the general manager because they are typically on site every single day. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you're when someone's out car shopping, is there is there sort of the uh, the thought of you know? And I, I and it sounds a little corny, but I always say buy with your head, not with your heart. Uh, is it is it a problem when people fall in love with their cars? or the cars they want to purchase? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> the time to fall in love with the car is after you've purchased it. And if, and if you're having those feelings, the last thing you want to do during the pre-negotiations or during the test drive is let anybody think that you can't live without that car. Because I promise you, the price just went up. Mm. It just went up. They, they, you know, and and it's it's uh, it's emotional intelligence, right? Yep. And so the lower your emotional intelligence is, or excuse me, the higher your emotions are, the lower your emotional intelligence. And it's critical for consumers nowadays. I mean, as long as negotiations stay in the car deal, there's always going to be that poker game, that poker face, mm -hmm. and you've got to go in and be prepared to play the game. Yeah, you re you really do. And I was talking to an old timer, and by old timer, I mean I think he's in his late eighties, and and he loves to shop for cars and he shops for people. And his negotiating tactic is he does his research ahead of time. He writes down what he wants to pay for the car on a piece of paper, and he and during the sort of sales talk, he goes over and he says, "Look, I have a number. I have it written down on this piece of paper." Um, 
and he puts it in the salesperson's pocket, and he says to him, um, you know, you come up with your best price, and, you know, if your best price is um, somewhere near what I'm going to do, I'm going to add an extra $100 just for you. And he says it's never failed that the salesperson comes back with a better price than he wrote down on the piece of paper. Well, I think that's a brilliant strategy. <laughs> I, I just thought, been I, doing it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I just thought it was. I thought it was kind of an interesting way to go. What kind of when when you walk into a dealership and the salesperson, let's face it, their job is to sort of size you up as you walk in the door. Uh, are there some things that you should be a little bit uh, questions you should be a little nervous about, even to the fact where they might say to you, "Oh, can we just photocopy your driver's license before you uh, before you go for a test drive?" Well, so uh, a couple things. Um, yes, you, they absolutely do prejudge you before you walk in the door. And I write about in my book, you know, you know, go in there like, you know, go in looking like you're ready to do business. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say that, but that's, that's a fact. Um, and, you know, and, and as it comes to the driver's license, you know, driver's license and insurance is something that the dealer needs to have prior to a test drive, because obviously they're sending you out in a 20, 30, 40, $50, $100,000 piece of machinery. And so they need to do their due diligence. So that piece I'm totally fine with. But if, if, you know, if they ask you things like, you know, a woman comes in by herself, oh, did you bring your husband with you? I'm telling you, I would turn around and walk out of that store. You know, and, it's and, and, like that, and, it send me over the edge. Yeah, <laughs> and, what's, and what's the number? What is it? Uh, um, the percentage of women who buy cars or influence the decision is, is huge, right? It is. So the actual numbers are women influence 85% of all household purchases. That would be health care, education, uh, car buying, house buying, whatever it may be. But because, you know, but, but she purchases 52% of all cars in the U.S. and still is treated like a, you know, second class citizen when she hits the dealership. Hmm. And, and your book, uh, Car Buying Her Way, Kind of, kind of helps through some of that, and kind of takes away a little bit of the mystery about that. How about during the negotiation process? You know, I'm, you know, I have a car I want to trade in. Uh, it's a few years old. Like you said, look, look up some of the trade-in information. Should that be handled separately? Should I go in and negotiate the price, then negotiate the trade-in? Should I negotiate the trade-in first? How? What's the best? What's the best thing you can do? Yeah, so, you know, prior to going to the dealership, you know, I I tell people never go into the dealership cold. Never go in just saying, I'm going to go car shopping today. You know, I I wish we could do that, but it just, you know, it doesn't work out well for the consumers. So prior to going to the dealership, you know, um, I have have a partnership. You mentioned True Car earlier, and True Car is a strategic partner of ours uh, with truetrade.com. I think they're fantastic. All you have to do is enter your license plate number and the mileage. And, and they're going to give you at least a baseline number for your trade-in. That already is power because, you know, and again, I mean, there's going to be some things for wear and tear or if you didn't properly explain the car. But at mm. least gives you some knowledge. But never, ever, and then, and then at that point, you know, you have that number. You've already been on the Internet kind of perusing what you're looking for for the car you're looking for. I will tell you, I believe that the Internet prices are the lowest typically that the dealer offers. And here's another buyer beware. There will be so many times that you see one price uh, at the dealership and one price on the Internet. Because, and so many people still do not shop on the Internet. So salespeople start 
customers at window sticker down mm. in negotiations because they're assuming because they came in first that they didn't shop on the internet. And so anyways, internet first, get find that lowest price, shop your trade in first, walk in with both of those. I think it's a good idea to call your bank or your credit union, find out what the going interest rate is on that year of vehicle. You know, a used car is going to be more expensive than a new car on interest rate. Find out what your insurance is, and you walk in there and you're ready to do business. And how about um, credit ratings? Is it a good idea to know what your credit rating is to know kind of put that in the negotiation process? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, you know interest rates are tiered, but I'll tell you this is an interesting piece that we did in our research. Um, credit unions don't tend to tier interest rates uh, to credit scores as much as banking institutions. So the dealers fall under a tiering system. So, for example, if you have a 700 credit score, you can get 2.9% today on a non-subvented rate on a new car. But if you've got a 620 credit score, that's 4.9. And and, and and that is not the dealer trying to rip you off. That is what they're under. So so if you've got a local credit union or, you know, if you're a teacher or a police officer or something, and you've got a federal credit union or a county state mm-hmm. that you belong to, um, you're going to get a better deal. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And one of the one of the things that I've noticed and uh I last year bought a new car and I hadn't done that in a long time and and a couple of things you point out uh kind of came up in it. First off, I went in and I had a I had an older car I was going to go trade in and I had I had really not that much interest to trade it in. I thought I'd just sell it privately and they um they offered me a ridiculously low price on a trade-in, and they, and they said to me, well, that's what it's worth. And while they were gone, when they came back, I said, well, it's interesting. The, you know, you offered me whatever it was, $1,000 for the car. I said, but, you know, one of your dealerships has exactly the same car for $7,000 on the lot today. So why is my car worth so much less when they're literally the same car, but my car's actually got a little bit lower mileage? So again, having doing that doing that research ahead of time is uh, is very helpful. But as I got talking to the dealer where I ended up buying the car from, it was pretty obvious they make all their money in all the extra stuff, the financing, the. Uh, the uh, wheel and tire and key insurance, gap insurance in case you get um, your what the value of the car is is versus what you owe on it. Um, are, are those things to be careful about or make sure that if you are interested in those, see where they kind of fit into your whole um, negotiation strategy as well as maybe what you're willing to pay? No, you're absolutely correct. So there is more money made in the finance department, almost double to triple uh, on, on that back end, what we, what we call back end, than there was ever made on the front end of the car, meaning the profit from invoice, you know, from the profit mm-hmm. from what the dealer pays for the car and what you pay for the car. And here's a little tidbit. You know, remember when I told you to go out to the credit union or whatever, there's a lot of people that sell extended warranties. Um, I personally have a affinity for the manufacturer's warranty. Mm-hmm. I don't like third-party warranties. And so I am willing to pay more money personally as a consumer for a factory, a Nissan or a Toyota or whatever warranty mm-hmm. of the car I'm driving than I am for the dealer's aftermarket warranty. But the warranty is absolutely negotiable. It is, it is negotiable. The key fob, the paint, everything that you just brought up, you know, when you're in that finance office and you want that stuff and you say, you know what, I think that $3,000 is too much for an extended warranty. 
uh, if you could do it for 2500 because typically I will let you all know that there's about a $1,000 markup in profit on that extended warranty to the mm-hmm. dealer. So, uh, you know, what they're offering you. So, you know, ask them for a $500 discount and you'll probably get it. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is. And I will say the one thing that sort of bothers me more than anything else, at least here in the New England area, is dealer documentation fees. And now we're seeing, we're seeing some of these fees closing in on $800. That is crazy. In Texas, um, we have a law about it. And so, because it, it is pure profit to the dealer. Yeah. And in Texas, it's only like $190, which, which you, know, you know, I'm okay with because there is, there is quite, about, uh, quite a bit of work on getting the car registered and filed and plates picked up and all that stuff. So I'm actually okay with it about under $200. Right. But it's a, it's a federal law that, that, that you cannot negotiate that dock fee. You can ask for a discount somewhere else to kind of, you know, take care of it in your mind when it comes to the bottom line. But um, they cannot charge it to you and not charge it to someone else. I mean, the dealer could be shut down over it. It's that serious. Yeah, it it becomes discriminatory sales practice or something like that, right? Predatory, discriminatory. You got it. Yep. So so it it sounds like, you know, for a while it sounded like, uh, and Saturn was the one was the one who sort of started it. The one price car dealership. You walk in, there's no negotiation. You buy the car. They give you they give you a cupcake afterwards and uh, and a certificate for a free car wash. Um, but that was that wasn't really the one price dealers aren't always such a good deal, are they? No, I'm 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 really against it. Um, I'm against it until until every dealer goes to it, and you know, and I look at people like Carvana and Carmax, and you know, I write about them in my book, and I say, you know, the, the brilliance behind both of those companies is that they, they are non-automotive people that started them, mm-hmm. and they they figured out what the what the problem was in the car buying uh, cog, and they solved it. Is that people hate to buy cars? You know, Carvana's. Uh, commercials where you know car buying doesn't have to suck yeah like what kind of commercial is that but it is and so therefore they take advantage of the cons- in my opinion they take advantage of the consumer that doesn't want to negotiate and and i you know i used to i mean i used to tell people you know bring in your your car max deal for a used car i'll beat it by a thousand dollars and i could still make money at that yeah no and it- women consumers especially they don't like friction Right. And so, you know, they don't like to negotiate. They don't like friction. They just, I mean, as women, I mean, we're not really confrontational. Maybe it's because we don't have as much testosterone as men. You know, we don't fight. We don't get into bar fights like guys and mm. all of the above. And so, you know, 80 20 rule, but 80% of the consumers just, they don't like it. So they're like, fine, fine. I want the car. I'll just pay it. And you're leaving so much money on the table. So I'm not a fan of mm. one price. I feel like the consumer's paying way too much money. Well, you, you touched on Carvana and um, and their whole sales practice, and Carvana yeah. is one of those companies that leads you to believe that there are that eventually over time people are going to think of buying a car as really no different than buying a refrigerator. It's just an appliance. I. I tend to disagree with that. I think people still fall in love with their cars. They 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 spend more time in their cars a lot of times than they do in their bed, um, and and I think there is a certain there is a certain relationship that people have with their cars. And and the Carvana thing is makes it sound like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna take this uh, 
$20,000 gold coin. I'm going to put it in a vending machine and I'm going to, and I'm going to take the fourth one from the top. And all of a sudden I have a car. What's your, what's your kind of industry feeling on where car sales are going and kind of what they're up to these days? Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I totally agree with you on the Carvana piece. I, I actually went to Carvana. I actually went through their whole sales process. It, it, is it easy? Yes. But you know, I totally believe that the future is frictionless and and the fact that, that we have got to remove, as an industry, we've got to remove the friction between the, end, the consumer and the dealer. You know, you read all this industry news and you see, oh, you know, um, uh, bricks and mortar is going to go away. Mm. No, it's not. Not anytime soon. Um, you know, consumers, because the good dealers do a really good job of bringing their consumers in. I've got a dealer in Houston, Texas, a Cadillac store. Unbelievable what they do. I mean, they have brunch every Saturday morning for their consumers. Uh, men and women, right? Yep. Um, they make it an experience. They celebrate the um, the the, uh, the delivery of the car, and so at the end of the day, and, and I can really speak strongly for female consumers, we like to shop. So the fact that the automakers believe that oh, you know, uh, you know, people don't like to shop anymore, so we're just going to you know set up you know uh, off-site dealerships, you know, do it online. That isn't true. Women love to shop for a car. Excuse me, women love to shop, just not for a car. So the dealers that will win will be the ones that raise the experience. It isn't about the price. I mean, you know, there really is, to your point earlier, there really is no um, voodoo left in, in, the, in the price of a car. You can go to the Internet and you can find that out. So it isn't about who has the lowest price typically, especially on a new car. It's, it's about who can give the best experience to that customer and the best service after the sale. Yeah, that that really that really does make a lot of sense because let's let's face it, you're when you're buying what is what amounts to the second or third most expensive thing you're going to buy, why shouldn't it be a good experience? Why shouldn't it be a happy experience? And why should why should the experience end uh, when you pick up your keys and 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 leave your money there? It's um, I was asked to come up to come out to a local uh, Toyota dealership. Uh, uh, small dealer they own. I think they own two or three stores, and they had they had their Toyota uh, uh, factory representative there. They had a couple of people from the dealership, and I said, "Why do you want me there? What what is what am I going to offer?" And he said, "You're going to offer a third party opinion, and there's going to be times where a customer asks us a question, and we don't. We, the answer is maybe an answer they don't, they don't want to hear. Like, why doesn't this car have a retractable, you know, power power lift gate when the car the car next to it does? And you can, you're probably going to have an answer that our Toyota folks are just going to go. I don't know. Um, so it, it, but they do that on a regular basis and they, and they invite people up and they have a little snack and they have a little fun and they get to ask some questions and they get to walk out in the shop and see what's going on out there. And they make it, they make it an experience where it's more than, uh, just a reminder to come in and get an oil change. No, I think that's great. And I'll tell you, I mean, you are like me, you are a third party, you're an expert and, um, and, and consumers trust third-party experts who are consumer advocates. And, you know, and like you, I get brought into stores. Is that same thing. It's almost like, you know, they have to say, well, we need you to co-sign for us, Lisa. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't have to do that, right? And it sounds like the same thing happens to you. But, but you know, consumers are still, I mean, they just, they just don't like the experience. And, and I think you brought up a great point. The best part of the of the experience should be the day that you that you get your new car you get the keys to your new car you get to drive it home 
typically by that point, the consumer is so aggravated, they've gone through negotiations, they've gone through the finance office, they got rolled around in there a little bit. Um, the salesperson didn't seem to be very helpful. It took them all day to buy a car, which is absolutely ridiculous. And by the time they're done, they're exhausted. You know, the, the shine, you might say, is mm. worn off the new car because, you know, they go back to the thought of how hard it was to obtain it. Yeah. So you're on, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Cars Her Way is your website, carsherway.com. And uh, the uh, car buying book, uh, Car Buying Her Way, uh, where can people get that? Well, it's available on carsherway.com. It's also available on Amazon. Perfect. Lisa, thank you for taking time out of your Saturday morning and getting up a little earlier out in Austin than probably you, you planned on, but I, I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks it, for having me, and good luck to all those car shoppers this weekend. All right. Take care, Lisa. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Lisa Copeland. Cars Her Way is the, is the uh, website, carsherway.com, and... Um, check out her book car buying her way you can find it on her website or amazon or any place else and i was looking at some of her uh folks that um that she has working with her and i actually recognize a few names in here too why don't we take a quick break uh when we come back i think we're going to be talking about the ultimate father's day car sounds a little ominous doesn't it my name is john paul this is the car doctor program we'll be right back Back with Car Doc's program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Maybe you're listening on 100.0 FM, or maybe you're listening on WROLradio.com, or just find the app on iTunes and iHeart and i everybody. I everybody. That's where you can find us. And also, you John can, showing his age. Yeah, I know. Well, you can find and you can find old Car Doctor programs on Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn. Um, whole bunch of places and your podcast and, and my podcast Podbean. 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 fm player so i think it's it's every it's everywhere so anyway uh so father's day is uh right around the corner tomorrow i think right dennis tomorrow yeah yeah you got you got uh, father's day lined up yeah i'm gonna go see that new um zombie movie that's out <laughs> of course <laughs> of course did you um, see the cast um but, you know, maybe, maybe the thing to do is buy dad a car for Father's Day. And uh, with us on the phone is Matt Schimmitz. He's uh, the assistant managing editor at cars.com. Matt, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John. Thanks for having me. Sure. So, uh, uh, you know, we had a little break music of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mustang, little Mustang, vintage Mustang music. Uh, but you, you kind of put together sort of the ultimate Father's Day car i think tell us yeah about we sure did uh our uh, our expert reviewers sort of put their heads together and came up with uh came up with a car that offered dads no compromise between uh 
let's say hauling kids and hauling you know what uh it was the they chose the uh 2019 uh mercedes amg e63s wagon which is Um, which which i have which i drove i think an amg wagon last year and i and it's it's ridiculous that it's a wagon first off that you know it's a four-door sleeper wagon that goes from what zero to 60 in four seconds 3.4 3.4 seconds as a matter of yeah. fact <laughs> it got faster yeah. yeah yeah it is an absurd it's an absurd uh car that really shouldn't exist but it does and uh thankfully uh it's got 603 horsepower a, a twin turbocharged 4.0 liter v8 uh made it to a nine uh, a really great nine speed automatic transmission um plus it has uh 35 cubic feet of uh space with the you know with the second row in place and so you know, and if you fold that down there's you know even more i think it's i think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 57 uh, cubic feet of space so you can you, it really offers a lot of utility but you don't have to compromise also uh having your your dream sports car in the garage and plus you don't have to have a weekend car uh to take up more space so that leaves more space for the lawnmower and tools and whatnot well um i i'm not sure how many people who who would own one of these actually mow their own lawn but I don't, maybe <laughs> now, yeah, now we, we did try to we did try to keep the price uh you know it, uh, maybe manageable on some level we uh we didn't shoot too far for the stars but uh it's i think this one starts at around a hundred and eight thousand dollars so that is that is you know rather spendy for most people yeah and then you then you add in the the uh you know what what is it a fifteen thousand dollar break package yeah, you can option it up. I optioned one up last night uh, in anticipation of our conversation, and I got it up to about one hundred and forty-six thousand dollars. So you can spend about as much as you want. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always it's always good for that. And if and and I will say, if I was on a little bit more of a budget, I think I'd try to go find a used uh, Cadillac CTS V wagon with a six-speed manual you know if i if i was shopping around and said well i can't afford one hundred and fifty thousand, uh i was always that 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 to me was it, i when when that car came out the cadillac ctsv um with the big engine and the manual transmission i'm like i think cadillac's onto something and, and why i brought that up what you said was does it make sense to build a hundred and fifty thousand dollar uh three and a half second zero to sixty station wagon no but I'm glad they did. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, to your point um, about sort of trying to manage manage the cost, um, the regular version of the you know the the non AMG E63 wagon is also uh, very impressive in terms of performance. I mean, it's got a 3.0 liter V6, and I think it I think it it's roughly half the you know half the horsepower and torque. Um, but it's certainly no slouch when it comes to performance. So that's, that's a great compromise. But the reason we chose the AMG is that, I mean, this, this is something that not only, you know, has the utility of, you know, you don't have to, you don't, you're not stuck with a boring uh, SUV, no offense to SUV lovers out there. I know they're very popular right now. Um, but you can, you know, it, it also has the AMG, um, you know, styling cues. So, you know, he can also, he can sit in that sports pickup line and people can see the AMG badge. They can see the aggressive front end. They can see the muscular rear end. 
and they know that they know that this is a force to be reckoned with. So when you're picking up your kids from daycare and you're sitting there out in front of the bus stop, um, you 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 don't you don't feel you don't feel like uh, you left your minivan home. Exactly, exactly. And then once the kids are in the car, I mean. You'll be you'll be to grandma's house before they can say, "Are we there yet?" In fact, they'll probably be saying, "Daddy, no." <laughs> uh, but but that you know that's what that's what makes the business that we're in sort of interesting. I, and and again, something you know to you know should should uh, Chrysler have ever made a, a Hellcat or a Demon? Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. But again, glad they did it. You know, and the same oh, same, same thing with this. You know, it just it makes it makes sense. It it on some weird level, it it makes sense. And and uh, uh, you know, cars cars still are an emotional purchase. And when you can do something like that, it makes it real interesting. Uh, uh, cars dot com, interesting website. You guys have a lot of information on there. Everything from you know cars for sale, but uh, it's a great place to do research too, right? Absolutely. I mean, I was listening to your conversation uh, before this, and I mean, the the most valuable thing you can do is, um, when you're making such such a big purchase, as you as you noted, it's the it's the second or third biggest purchase you're going to make in your whole life for the average person. Um, you know, there that information is out there at sites like cars.com and in uh, in in other sites. Uh, you can go and you can find out what the base price is with you know with the destination charge. You can you can uh, you can find out you know what what the options are going to cost you and what you know uh, what that price is before you even uh, you know get to the negotiating mm-hmm. table. And so, I mean, that's just to 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 we live in this time where all this information is at our fingertips and you're just, you're really making a mistake if you go in there cold and just make an emotional decision. Cause most people end up making an emotional decision anyway, even if they are well-informed. Yeah, it, 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 it you're right. They, they go in and they're, uh, they are sort of, they are sort of in love. And, uh, uh, because you, because you were listening and I asked Lisa the same question, uh, Cars like uh, companies like Carvana, where they uh, basically turn, in my opinion, a car into an appliance sort of thing. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll take that one. That one's fine. Um, you know, no different than you know, I'll take the, the uh, the 14 foot cubic foot refrigerator because it fits in the space kind of thing. Um, do you do you still find cars are, and and you're in the business obviously, and you guys, you know, you guys picked, you know, a. Um, a, a ridiculous car for Father's Day sort of thing. So obviously you're kind of biased towards the emotional part of it. But do you see the future at some point where cars are ever going to be just an appliance? Uh, not in any near future. I mean, yes, in sort of that, in sort of that, like, uh, you know, that uh, utopian wall-e sort of, you know, <laughs> technology future where everything looks like, where everything looks like a, uh, an Apple store. But um, I do, I do think that's coming eventually. But I mean, pro- I don't probably not in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people, I think it's not in America anyway. I mean, I think, I think we just love our cars too much. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. And the idea of you know taking the three hundred million cars off the road that we have today and replacing them with a hundred, you know, shared autonomous ride-hailing vehicles, I don't. Personally, I don't see it. I think it's uh, again maybe in that uh, you know we all wear white and we and every store we go into <laughs> looks like an Apple store. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I, yeah. I I personally don't see it. So I always I always like to ask people. I always like to ask people what they think, and uh, I th- I think we sort of agree on that. I, I agree with you to a, to an extent. I, I do think that that day will come eventually. I think most of the hurt, you know, the technology by and large is there. Mm. Uh, it's not perfect yet, obviously, because um, you still you still will hear about the the you know a Tesla crash where the yeah. you know where the uh, tractor trailer pulled across the road and the autopilot could not mm. could not distinguish between it and the gray sky. Um, but the technology by and large is there for at least uh, you know. Uh, lower speed stop and go traffic to where the driver doesn't even need to pay attention and in fact the Audi uh, uh, A8 um, you know was kind of advertising itself ahead of time as, as sort of ready to go with with this very hands-off sort of technology and it was mostly regulatory issues that mm. stood in its way so when it did come out um, you know that was conspicuously absent yeah no it it was uh, it's uh it's it, it is it is weirdly interesting. You're right. It is a regulatory issue. I mean, it, you know, our neighboring state, New York, you, it's against the law not to have at least one hand on the steering wheel. So how do you have an autonomous vehicle? And and in the the state where I work in Rhode Island, they have an autonomous shuttle. And within the first day of the shuttle being on the road, it got pulled over by a local cop. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I- <laughs> So yeah, there really is, want people. We still want people. You know, somebody minding the store, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it is. It is kind of kind of an interesting an interesting look on on where it will be. And I think I think you're right. I mean, I there's there's days I don't want to share my car with my wife. You know, let alone let alone you know thirty five strangers. You know, to me to me, uh, 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 car sharing is about the same as uh, as uh, rental shoes in a bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's an apt description, I think. Uh, but that's that's you know uh, you know going back to uh, you know our selection for uh, Father's Day. You know, we selected one where he could you know dad can take the kids along right. with them. But I, you know, I think I think honestly, and not to be cynical about it, but I think a lot of dads, you know, if you gave them the choice, what they'd really like would be to get out in their car and drive by themselves. You know, so uh, one of our runners up for this for this uh for this title of ultimate dad mobile was the uh, 2019 porsche 911 speedster which is totally impractical for <laughs> for yeah. somebody with a family uh there are only two seats in that um but uh so that w- i think that would be another another good choice but that's another pie in the sky car you know another finalist was the mm. lincoln navigator uh to pr- you know replace mm. dad's odyssey maybe give mm. him a little luxury with it and then the jeep gladiator was uh, was another one that was high on the list yeah, I, you know, as much as I love, you know, the, you know, Honda Odyssey's, uh, you know, a great, a great vehicle. Uh, oh, yeah. I, you know, the, you know, when you think of the AMG wagon, when you think of the, when you think of the Porsche Speedster, and you think of a vehicle that's got its own vacuum cleaner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a buzzkill. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like you know. So when you're, you know, as you're, as you're waiting, you know, as you're waiting in the daycare pickup line, and you say, by the way, my, my car's got a built-in vacuum. <laughs> well, those little bits of cereal, dry cereal, are not going to clean themselves up, you I, know. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> if, if people want to read uh, more about this or more about uh, some of the things you and your team have put together, can they find it on cars.com? 
Absolutely. You go to cars.com slash news. Uh, the, if you want to see the dad mobile story is right there at the top of the front page right now and will be through father's day. There you go. So, uh, uh, did you guys do a mother's day, pay, uh, car? Uh, we did, we did a, we did do a ultimate mom mobile, uh, story. Yes, we certainly did. <laughs> Uh, I don't not yeah. not the same. It no. wasn't quite the same no. as this. I don't. I, I can't. I can't remember what we yeah, showed. That's 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 okay. So so uh, you know when uh, you know no one will ever confuse the uh, the uh, Mercedes AMG uh, wagon with the uh, uh, Queenster family truckster. That's for sure. Or whatever. Oh, definitely yeah. not. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. If you think you think you hate it now, wait till you drive it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah, I know that was that was probably the best line. Uh, hey, Matt, Definitely. thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday and joining us up here in Boston. Anytime, John. Much appreciated, All sir. Right. Take care. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was that was sort of fun. Yeah. Did you look? Did you look up the AMG wagon while you were? I've seen it before. You have? Yeah. It's isn't that the one that had those the funky like the four headlight things or something like that? Like the Queenster family truckster or whatever Something that. Like, I don't know. No, no, it's 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 a Mercedes. It's a Mercedes wagon with gigantic tires on it. Right. Um, it's stupid horsepower. It's you know, like you said, almost six hundred horsepower. It is a it is a phenomenal car. And uh, my uncle had an AMC AMG AMG. Not yeah. to be confused with AMC, AMC which I'm was trying to which, buy movie tickets. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, AMG. Four wheel drive. It was a little. It was a tiny car, but it had huge wheels on it. Mm. And he had that thing for ever. Mm. Yeah, it probably, was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> um. I had. We're, we're going to do a little trivia, by the way. Um. I had the opportunity this week to drive for a very limited period of time. Two different Rolls Royce cars. What? Yeah. The Phantom. Where's hey Dennis? I got a Phantom. You want to ride? <laughs> uh, hey Dennis, I got a Phantom and I decided not to take it today. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a it, I, I and I I don't I don't have a Phantom by the way, uh, but it is it's a lovely car. It's about as easy to drive as. Um, that dump truck that's sitting out in the parking lot. It feels gigantic. Um, as it should. As it should. <laughs> it's got a, it's got, I, I drove it and I also did the uh, great Poupon back seat kind of, kind of relaxed in the back seat. And, um, and it had, it has some, uh, I mean, it, has, it, it is probably the nicest riding car that I've ever driven. Absolutely, it's, but again, it was also six hundred thousand dollars, as it should be, as it should be. Huh. Um, if I add up everything I own together, I probably still couldn't buy one. Um, but I also drove I don't know about that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I also drove the uh, Rolls Royce Cullinan, which is their SUV oh, no. sort of thing. Oh, yeah, that's new, right? It's new. It starts off at three hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh, that all. That's all. The one I drove was four hundred and ten thousand. Oh my god! So, some of the interesting options were: I don't know what the base stereo sounds like, but the bespoke stereo system was ten grand. So ten thousand dollars additional over what 
was probably there that cost ten grand to start off with. So um, the rear center console. So instead of having a bench across the back, it just has two seats. But the center console has a lot of electronics and uh, it's roomy. The center console was fifteen thousand dollars. It's a Rolls Royce. What do you it's expect? Yeah. It's all handmade, isn't it? Still, uh, yes, yes. See, in, in fact, um, and I, I assume it's all of them, but um, no two are exactly alike. Uh, well, for instance, the person who sews the seats is the same person from start to finish on the car. Yes. So, if typically her, but it's not always a her, their stitching technique could be different than someone else's. Exactly. It's. It's going to be the same throughout. The wood interior, it's kind of funny. The um, the Cullinan wood interior is so nice, it looks like plastic. It's so shiny. I mean, you literally can see yourself in it. Where the Phantom wood looked more like wood. But you, you look at it and the grain patterns on like the front of this door... Match the grain. So it's one piece of wood that they matched all the grain together. So it's always the same. As it should be. As <laughs> I'm sorry. These are ultra, uh, ultra luxury cars. They should the, be perfect. The cows <laughs> that the leather comes from only come from high altitudes where they don't get stung by bees. Because you don't want leather with a, with a, with a, a spot in it. So they only get high I never it, thought of that. Yeah, but they but they only get cows from the Himalayas. Uh, I don't know someplace <laughs> someplace high up where there's no bugs and of course there's no fences or anything because you don't want free range. Yeah, free, free range. range for your car. Yeah, yeah. So um, the convertible and it, I I didn't drive one um, has a piece of wood that when the top goes down it covers over where the top fits. And it's a special kind of wood that comes from someplace in Africa. Oh, and, yeah, and they yeah. have to, like, truck it up a river and all this well, stuff. Well, they were floating it up a river, but the the uh, Rolls-Royce people didn't like the water, stains. the water stains. So they paid somebody to carry it on the backs of elephants. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just, um, it is a completely different... That's just stupid money. Yeah. I mean, it, if you could buy that car, yeah. you have stupid money. And um, a fair amount of them are leased. People actually do. My question was. Leased? What's your lease price? Like $10,000 a month? Yeah. <laughs> In some cases. In the Cullinan, it's only it's probably only 5000 Only 5000 Um Like Lisa Copeland said, it's not just the car. It's the experience. This I get. Yeah. Yeah, and I want ultimately I would love to get a Rolls uh, have enough money to say I can buy a Rolls Royce. I don't want no Bentley, I don't want no high end Mercedes. I want a Rolls Royce. That Rolls Royce is awesome. <laughs> the <laughs> emblem, the front end, everything about a Rolls, I love them. Even their little leaks from the old days. From the old days, they they it was. Um, I hadn't. I don't think I drove one as much as I drove the one on Tuesday night. And I and, did not get around. And I did not call you. It was down in Middleborough. <laughs> I was available. Yeah. It was at our New England Motor Press meeting. You still could have said, hey, yeah. Middleborough's not that far. Hey, Dennis. Hey, <laughs> hey, you going out for ribs on Tuesday night? You're not that far away. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very nice car. Um, the other thing is that there are a certain amount of people that literally come in with a bag of cash and just pay for it. Um, you know that, that it's just a, it's a car they just it's a car they just pay for and um, because they have plenty of money. Um, I asked the uh, it was actually the president of Rolls Royce was visiting with his PR guy. Uh, Jerry Spahn, good guy, uh, known Jerry Spahn for a lot of years. He mentioned that we have both gotten grayer and older, uh, which is which is in fact true. We both have got grayer and older. But the president of uh, President Rolls Royce is like 40 years old. Um, uh, but we were, we were talking, we were talking with him and I said, and I said, uh, what's the average income of a Rolls Royce buyer? Go to Saudi Arabia. 20 to 40 million a year. Go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So there, there is, uh, uh, and the level of detail inside the car is, is, you know, is the car, the, the Cullinan. Is a 563 horsepower, big SUV, with uh, kind of fixed windows in the. So there's windows that go down, but there's windows that don't go down because when you're at the hotel and someone's unloading your ski equipment, um, you don't want to get windy. You know, you don't want snow to blow in on you. Um, so they can, you get stuff out of the back without snow getting on you from the hatch being open, kind of thing. Uh, it's just, it's an interesting car, and they said that. Probably 50% of the people that buy the Culloden, the SUV, came from someplace else. Uh, High-end Range Rovers, Mercedes G-Wagons, stuff like that. And they just, they already have one Mercedes, they already have one Rolls-Royce. And they like it so much they buy another. The other thing they said was people that buy Rolls-Royces, obviously not their only car. Like the Dadmobile, like the Mercedes AMG where it could substitute for a sports car and a SUV and something else, um, the Rolls-Royce buyer has three or four or five cars in their garage. And they said pretty typical is maybe in two or three years, somebody goes to trade in their Phantom back into the dealership for a new one. And it might only have a couple thousand miles on it. They don't really drive them that much. No. Um, the one question mm -hmm. I forgot to ask, ooh, an Audi R8 just went by. That's a... Kind of Audi supercar. Um, the um, what's uh, you know the one question I didn't ask is uh, drive versus driven. How many people buy a Rolls Royce just to be chauffeured? I didn't ever ask the question. I forgot. But I, I wouldn't. Well, think, the Phantom I think would be higher yeah, than pro probably. Yeah. yeah, probably. And and I I know I know for a fact depends where you live. If you lived in the New York Connecticut area, you're probably driven. California has a different feel on those kind of things, and there's less chauffeur-driven vehicles in California than there is in, say, New York, for instance, because it's just an impression of kind of different things. So uh, the number one market in the United States for Rolls-Royce, Miami. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I was I was thinking California. but No. Yeah. When you think about it, uh, when you yeah. really think about it, Miami does not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, our trivia question. This was a long lead-up to trivia. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, the 2019 Rolls-Royce Cullinan. The name Cullinan, where does it come from? And feel free to use the power of the Internet to find that out. Cheaters. Yeah, I know. Well, 
But the name Cullinan, where does it come from? If you know the answer to that, is this actually this actually Jeopardy music? Um, sure. Yeah. I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, so I was just thinking the guy who won like yep. two and a half million dollars. Still so. can't afford the... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, still doesn't make enough money. But where did the name Cullinan come from? If you know the answer to that, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Same rules apply if you've won lately. Uh, leave it for someone else. Um, I only learned this the other day when I drove the Cullinan, found out. So I asked, what's a Cullinan? And first I thought it was Culligan, which is a water filter, which is not, which is not that. But what is a Cullinan? If you know the answer, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. You've probably been hearing on the radio we're partnering with Save the Children and Make a Difference for Children. While it might be hard to imagine, a $60 gift to Save the Children today can provide enough emergency food and medicine to save a child suffering from acute malnutrition. Their very life and future are at risk with just a little help from you. Save the Children can do exactly that. Save children in 120 countries around the world and right here at home. Um, but it can't happen without you. And when you give today, your gift is doubled. Make a difference for a child in need today. So go to savethechildren.com. You can find out more information about it. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is our number. If you have a car question or you want to play trivia or whatever's on your mind, you can do that. Um, uh, I got I got a, uh, a couple of comments. I talked about this last week, and I stumbled all over the name of it. A new uh, product, uh, it's called Touchless Sealant, and it's from a company called 303. I've used some of their products before. They make everything from a barbecue grill cleaner to all kinds of other, all kinds of other interesting stuff. But um, this Touchless Sealant is is kind of an alternative to. Waxing, something we found out Dennis has never done in his life is wax nope, the car. not a little bit. Not even a tiny right. little bit. Can you imagine if you had a Rolls Royce? I'd, I'd have enough to pay someone that would have to do it. <laughs> but this is a, this is an interesting product. You um, you put it, you you wash the car, and I the first time I did it, I kind of made the mistake. I washed the car and I dried it, but then you're supposed to actually put it on a wet car, and I think it actually worked better. When I did it the first time, because I just misted the car again, I didn't have it wet, wet, and uh, and then you spray the stuff on, and you wash it right off. You spray it on, wash it off, and then you wipe it all down, and um, it it uses some kind of weird technology that bonds to the paint and makes the water bead. And I did the black car a couple weeks ago, still still beading water looks pretty good. And then uh, what was nice is when I came home one day and it was covered with pollen, just hit it with the hose, washed it right off, and it actually came off and it worked worked pretty nice. Um, I did the other car last weekend because it was covered with pollen, washed it all off, wiped it down, sprayed it. And, and again, it's pretty easy stuff to use. It's, um, it's, there's not much, to, it's, you, you have a feeling it's like something's wrong. You, you. Spray it on and then rinse it with water, and it kind of beads when you spray it on, and you, and and then you wipe the car all down afterwards with the, with a nice um, with a nice uh, microfiber cloth, and it came out really nice. So it's um, it's called 303 Touchless Sealant, and it comes in uh, 
comes in like a 32-ounce container, and I think maybe like 16-ounce one, too. Um, it's not very expensive. It's in the $16, $17, or $25 uh, container. Uh, but makes uh, cleaning your car look nice and easy and um, makes the car look nice, and I thought it was pretty good. So, uh, so again, it's uh, 303 touchless sealant, kind of a nice alternative to, uh, to uh, real wax, real hard wax. The kind of stuff that Dennis doesn't want to do. You might, you might actually do this. Maybe spray on, spray Maybe. off. Does, is it like? Do you have to? Is it like a, a bottle spray, or is it you hook it up to your hose and you spray it on? No, you have to use it. You have to pull a trigger. Yeah, no, no, too much work. Too much work. Already done. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. All right, let's talk to Rick in Boston. Has been there for a long time. Let's talk to Rick. Rick. Yep. 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 Yep, yes, it's me, and that, that that little thing you had about the Rolls Royce was quite interesting. About about where they get their cows? The cows and the wood and all that, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But uh, here's, here's my suggestion for Father's Day for motorcycles. Okay. If you're a young guy, you're going to want, like, a sport bike or a dual sport bike. Mm-hmm. And that. And that, because you want to go fast, and you'll... you'll Flip around the corners and stuff like that, and then as you as you get a little older, then go to a you know a cruiser, and that or maybe even a bagger, and then as you get old and that, um, go to a trike or one with a sidecar. Mm. Have you ever have you ever driven get... have you ever driven one of these three wheel motorcycles? Whether they're the you know the two wheels in the front and the one in the back, or the two wheels in the back and the one in the front. Have you ever driven one of those? No, actually, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to ride with in one of them, and I was going to, you know, actually drive it, but then something came up, and I had, you know, and uh, I wasn't able to in that. Yeah, but, I, uh, I, I have never, I, I've ridden a, uh, I've ridden a motorcycle. It was kind of a BMW copy of like a World War II vintage motorcycle with a sidecar, and that was just weird. I, I actually thought it felt dangerous taking a right turn because it didn't it didn't flex you know you didn't it didn't lean when you yeah. went to take a turn it just felt felt kind of weird to me but uh i i haven't tried one of the one of the other ones made by the jet ski companies or whoever they're made by well um you you might find this interesting the euro uh motorcycle yeah that, that that's what it was yeah it, it was, um it you know it has a sidecar and depending on the model you get both real wheels I drive wheels. Yeah, that's what this this one this one actually you could drive it in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the and the modern that it's got two two wheels in the back that are drive wheels and that that was actually the one I was in and that and I was gonna yeah. drive it next to a little uh obstacle course to see how it handles in that mm. but uh then all of a sudden a mm. bunch of my uh friends showed up and I yeah. You know, didn't get a chance. So, they wanted, so, um, wanted so, to do it. <laughs> so what age group are you in with the Indian? So you're not quite at the three-wheel well, stage yet. Uh, I'm about ready to go to the, the three-wheel <laughs> stage in that. And, you know, um, it, it, it might have its advantage because my wife has has had problems getting on back of the Indian in that. Okay. So ha- having a sidecar might uh, work well for her. There you go. There you go. Hey, Rick, always and good to hear from you. And happy to get groceries. Yeah, and, and, and happy Father's Day, Rick. Okay, same to you, John. All have right, take bye. care. Bye-bye.
Let's go to. Let's go talk to uh, John Diamond. I haven't heard John Diamond's voice in ages, Mister Diamond. Hello, John. Where are you? He's there. Huh. Oh well. I have him up. I uh, believe he's, you. He's his phone. Little icon is showing. Phone thing over there is up. All right. Okay. Well, I want to put him back on hold. Put him back on hold. Let's go play trivia then. Let's talk to uh, Peter in Salem. Peter. Hey, John. How are you? Good. <clears throat> so, so did they ever have an Edsel Cullinan? Yes. They did. Yes. Uh, it was uh, no. <laughs> they didn't have a model like that. It was owned by the Culligan Water yeah. uh, Company. Yeah. Well, Culligan's different than Cullinan. Cullinan, Culligan. Yeah. Uh, but it was a special water car, and it was light blue, like ah. water. Ah. ah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's a what's a Rolls Royce Cullinan? Cullinan. I'm gonna say it's it's a named after a small town in um, the UK. Well, that'd be a great answer, but it's wrong. Oh my God, John! <laughs> the but, that, but that but that was that was a good answer. That was a well crafted, put together answer. Well, I'm thinking of the English and the English countryside. Yeah, no, that was that was that was well thought through. <laughs> Probably someone who designed it or something. Or well, well, my favorite story about funny names like that is um, uh, Jordan's Furniture. Jordan's oh. Furniture years ago used to have the Anthony Moretti Italian leather collection. Do you remember the commercials Ooh. for that? Sure, yes. Well, yes. well, and it made it sound like you know Anthony Moretti. You know, was this Italian furniture designer. You know, and they, I think I just dropped him by accident. And they, uh, and they send you to phone school. And the Anthony Moretti Italian. <laughs> um, do you know? Do you know the story about Anthony Moretti? Do you remember the Jordan Furniture Anthony Moretti Italian leather collection? It wasn't real, right? Anthony Mar Tony Moretti's their accountant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it had nothing. It was but like the, the car, yeah. whatever that leather, Carithian, whatever that yeah, leather was. Yeah, Carithian wasn't real either. So, uh, but yeah. So let's go to, I think we got Mike in Bridgewater that wants to play trivia. Michael? Yeah. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are good morning, you? I'm good, sir. Thank you. Um, I, if you had talked to John Diamond, I think it would have been ironic. It would have okay. been. Yeah, I thought, I thought, geez, John, you call him and you get it, so that's good. All right, so I, I did, as Dennis said, I cheated. So it's cheating. Uh, well, okay, so um, the, you called before Mr. Etzel, man, I, I like to think of him. Anyways, um, it's, a, it's the town in South Africa that had the largest diamond that was ever ever found, rough-cut diamond. So um, hence, the, I guess, Rolls-Royce searched for that. When they were looking for the wood, they found the name, and that kind of... Maybe a whole synergy thing happened. So yeah, it's yeah. Apparently, it's the largest gem quality rough diamond ever found, weighing uh, I don't know, lots and lots of carrots, I guess. So uh, so yeah. So it, uh, it and it looks um, it it's it's like the it's like the size of a tangerine. It's a pretty big. Really? Yeah, it's a pretty big chunk of diamond. You know, so. I actually knew the answer to this one. 
Who did? Me. You did? I actually did. How did you know the answer? Because I know that diamond. Really? Because of my friend who worked in the jewelry store. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, I'll split, Dennis. I'll split it with you. Whatever no, we get. <laughs> no. Uh, split. You know, you, you can't. You can't split. You you can't split the AAA membership, but you can split the diamond if you come across it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, sorry, Dennis, you lose. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, stay stay right there, Dennis. We'll get your mailing address down, and uh, we'll send you out a AAA membership. And if you're already a member, use it for renewal, or give it to give it to a friend or relative, or do something nice with it, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll get that out to you in the mail sometime this week. John, I really appreciate okay, this. Sure much, thing. Enjoy the show, and I wish you and your family a happy Father's Day tomorrow. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye bye now. All right, Dennis will do that. John is. Supposedly on line one right now. Is John Diamond back? Let's see if he's back. John Diamond, is that you? Yes, I am back. Hey, look at that. You know, haven't haven't heard from you in a while. You doing okay these days? I'm not too bad for an old guy. An old guy, yeah. I couldn't afford the Rolls Royce leather, so I have to go down to the mall and get it from the local fabric store. Well, well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) You know, and speaking of old cars, I heard... um, uh, that interior manufacturer, where were they? Up in Marblehead or somewhere up that way? Uh, something in Bonnie? They're, they're, LeBaron Bonnie. LeBaron Bonnie, they're going out of business. Yeah, isn't yeah. that? Because a lot of the earlier cars aren't being fixed up anymore. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you still you still in, you still involved with the show coming up uh, in a couple of weeks? Forty eighth show. Forty eighth show. Yeah. Yeah. And working uh, along, we have big changes in administration to try to dollar up a little bit, and I think it'll be good. Yeah, well, it's it's always it's always a good it's always a good show. I think no matter what. But uh, uh, anything special going on this year that you've heard about up at the show? Uh, not really. We have the usual things, which are still interesting: the flea market, the car corral. Uh, a fifty-fifty drawing, and we—that's interesting to keep people coming in. Yep. We free, tra- free print transportation yep. from the parking lot, and uh, we try to think of everything. We keep a lid on the food, so it's not outrageously yep. priced. And, and, and uh, we're expecting it as usual. And, and you still, and you still got, uh, you still got Bruce doing the music. Yes, that's right, Bruce Palmer. Yeah. Well, I heard, I, I. I heard I heard from a friend of his his big development in his life in the last year he put a lift at his house. <laughs> I'll tell you, once you get a little older, it's hard to bend over. A lift is a great asset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's always good to hear from you, John. How many how many cars in your car collection? Do you know? Uh, I've got I've cut mine way down yeah, to like three or four. Oh, okay. You, you just can't. It's it's tough enough managing one, never mind two or three. Cause you you had a bunch. <laughs> you had a bunch for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I had a bunch, but it's it, I tell you when you don't use them, they they fall off. They yeah. uh, you step on the brake pedal and it's gone. Yeah. You got to start all over. Okay, give us give us a little detail. What 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 day is what day is the show? It's July fourteenth at the Endicott Estate in Dedham. Yeah, and, and it's there are and big signs on one twenty eight. Yep. And if people if people want to go to the show, it's open to the public around oh, yeah. around nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, if you want to bring a car in and you want to be judged. Uh, you need to get a hold of the. You need to get a hold of uh, uh, the club, right? Well, 
Well, you can you can bring anybody can bring a car in to be judged as long as it's before ten o'clock. But your best bet is to pre-register, yep. and you fly right in without having to wait in a long line. Okay. And uh, and you can you so you can get in at ten. But a lot of people get there real early, though, right? The, the oh, they're there before we even set up. Yeah. They're there at five six o'clock. Hey, John. Yeah. yeah so, hey, John, can you turn your radio down a little bit? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot. I should be a professional okay. by now. That's a, that's all right. That, that was something. That was I. I thought it was just a bad phone, but Dennis Dennis noticed what it really was. So well, I yeah. promise never to do it again. Yeah, they, they, it's all go. good. Don't worry hey, about it. There you go. <laughs> hey, and uh, so the so the show the show is uh, as as always is the forty eighth show. This this has to be one of the longest r- continuously running car shows around, isn't it? Well, pretty much so. It's a pretty big one. Yeah. There are a lot of big shows, but this one seems to draw the people. Yeah, and and it is, and it's a great setting. And I was at the Endicott State uh, talking to a retired men's club back. I don't know. It must have been after the first year or something. And every time I go in there now, the place looks for people who haven't been there uh, in a while. They they keep dressing up the inside of it a little bit, refinishing a little bit more wood and. Uh, it's it's quite the beautiful building inside. Well, we donate a portion of our uh, take-ins to uh, for the estate because there's always the rumor about tearing it down. Yeah. But that's pretty much gone by yeah, now. It, yeah, I I would have to say, and people and uh, you know the the estate gets used for a lot of different things, but uh, in my opinion, the car shows the best the best thing it gets used for. So it is, but, but they do do weddings and receptions and everything there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful setting and easy to get to right off the highway. Uh, like you said, just follow the signs right from the highway. It'll get you right there. Drive right by it and, and drive down the street to where the parking area is. Take the little free shuttle bus that comes back up to it. Or, yeah. I, or, or it's, I don't know, it's maybe, what, a 10-minute walk if you were walking. So. It's at the most. I yeah. believe it's exit 14 on 128. It's not hard to find. No, it's not It's not hard to find at all. And, again, it's, it's always a nice setting. And, and even though I have not been there in years the few years that i have gone off and on to the show it's always it's always a good time with a with a great mix of cars and for somebody who's considering getting into the old car hobby no better way to do that than talk to people that have the car you're interested in and maybe made a few mistakes along the way right well, we have at least a 200 uh, car corral, uh, so there's somebody to talk to yeah. that'll sell them on everything, and they just have to make the pick. Yeah, yeah. But if you're, but if you're, uh, you know, say you're interested in buying, I don't know, uh, uh, whatever, whatever the hot, the hot car is this this year, is, uh, you know, a '61 Chevy or something, and you find one or two, not even one for sale, but one or two that are just on display, and you you go over and you say, hey, I'm interested in a car like this. Can you tell me some things to look for or some things to stay away from? Uh, people, people are always pretty, uh, pretty helpful in sharing and say, "Oh, you know what? Watch out because the uh, the rear frame rails rot out, or you know this rusts away, or you know watch out if you're trying to find one that you think, you know you you think it's going to be uh, uh, the the stock engine in it. Watch out! A lot of people swap this for that, or you know here's what to look for. Uh, people are people are always pretty helpful as far as trying to help." Uh, People, uh, it seems like you're, you're very knowledgeable yourself. I hate to be selling you a car. 
<laughs> well, you know, we we always we always tell people that uh, you know try just try to be as informed as you can, and and when it comes down to when it comes down to being informed about a car and whether it's especially a hobby car like that, why not why not you know uh, you know get get informed as much as you can and uh, uh, don't don't make the mistake of buying a car that's in a whole bunch of boxes because that guy didn't put it together and you probably won't either, right? Oh, you're right. If anybody can come to a Bay State meeting, which is the third uh, third Thursday of the month, and yep. discuss what they're interested in with the club members, yep. they'll get plenty of response. I bet they will. Hey, John, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, letting us know about the show, and we'll t- we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it a little bit between now and then because uh, I I like that show because I want to say it's one of the first first shows I was ever invited to. And uh, so it always has a little, a little spot in my heart for that show. Well, thank you. It was, now we're starting to get mad because you don't show up. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, be there, I'll be there on the 14th. Okay. All right, take care, John. I look forward All to it. Right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I think we need to take another break. Why don't we do that? If you would like to join us, we still have about 15 minutes left of the program. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. So phone number, lines are open right now. Give us a call. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Uh, let's go to Richard in Peabody. Richard, is that you? Hello. Hello, Richard. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I heard you had uh, Larry Rubenstein on a few weeks ago. Yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a really nice, good mechanic, nice guy, and he speaks highly of you. Well, then, then, then I'd question him then, because, you know. <laughs> now, I'm going to him for over 20 years. He's a super guy. Oh, good. Okay. A uh, couple of things. I have had an 05 Buick LaCrosse, and uh, it's sporadic. Every once in a while, I start the car up, and I get my ABS light, my brake light, and my traction control light go on. Run the car, shut it off, goes back on again. And then for days it won't go on, and then for days it, you know it'll come on. And so I don't know—is could it be a computer problem? What kind of car is it again? An 05 LaCrosse. Yeah, no, it's what what's happening is it's a it's 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 one of the wheel sensors is acting up, and what happens is when one of the wheel sensors acts up, it wants to shut down, it wants to shut down everything else. So um, the traction control, the ABS and stability control, 
all work off ABS wheel sensors. So what happens when one of them goes bad, it it shuts down the anti-lock brake system, and that in turn causes causes all of those weird things to happen. So um, more than likely, it is the left front wheel sensor because, and I, don't, I have no idea why, but 99% of the time when it's a GM car, it's a left front ABS sensor and it's a broken wire, and you put a new wheel sensor in and it comes with a new little wire harness, and that usually takes care of it all. Well, so it's been done before. So. Yeah. yeah. So well, what, hap what happens is the wire stretches, and then yeah. it breaks. So uh, yeah, I'd go, I'd go, uh, I'd go see Larry, have him take a look at it. But chances are, what they'll find. The other thing that can sometimes happen, but if you've had it done before, is um, rust will build up. Um, the sensor itself looks like a gear. So envision something that looks like a, a gear with a bunch of teeth around the outside of it. And if rust starts to build up inside there or near the sensor, it kind of confuses it and it gets it all. It gets it all crazy and it doesn't work right. So the last thing I would think of would be a um, a problem with the, the computer. What I would look more at is um, is uh, some sort of uh, some sort of ABS wheel sensor sort of problem. All right, great. One other thing, Ron, with Burton 05, I'm going to start thinking of getting a car, and I've been shopping around. What do you think of the uh, 16 Lacrosse? Um. There's, there's not there's not a lot of you know there's probably not a huge difference between your Buick and that Buick honestly so yeah, um, yeah I mean they're they're fine um, you know I think there's I think there's uh, you know good and bad in every car but you know the V6 engine's been pretty solid and you know it tends tends to tends to work out pretty well so yeah yeah this has been an excellent car for me yeah yep. no I would. Uh, I, I would uh, I would go look at it and see what you see what you think and uh, but even though it's only a couple years old you know 16 sounds like a new car to me um, I would still bring it up to Larry or some you know a good shop you trust and have them do kind of a once through and make sure everything looks the way it's supposed to look on it. Any place where I can uh, you know look at look at cars I went on to your site AAA. Yep. That's it. The Buick I was looking at was in Texas. So uh, yeah, I don't think yeah you have to you have to narrow the choices down. But yeah, you can. I I'm a big fan of uh, Car Gurus. Car Gurus. And I see cars. They're both Massachusetts companies. And I have to give uh, Matt. It's I S E E, not yeah. just I C. Yeah. So it's yeah the letter I S E E Cars dot com, and uh, right. and only and and we have to give Matt credit who was on the show earlier today. Go to Cars dot com too, but just put in the filters you're looking for Buick and just search within a hundred miles of your house. Yeah. All right. Great. Have a happy Father's Day. Uh, you as well. Take care. Bye bye. Somebody called in and wanted to know about the Bay State Antique Auto I just Club. Did, it. did you did you yeah, take care of it, it all? On the website it says every second Thursday, even yep. though John said third, and it's at seven thirty PM. Seven thirty PM at the Andacotta State yes. in the main ballroom. Yes, and I, there's a number. It, you can go to yeah. just Google Bay State. Yeah, it's car. it's B S A A C dot com. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh let's go let's go uh, down to where my sister lives in Georgia. Chuck. Yes. How are you? Good. Hi, John. How are well, you? If you see my sister in Georgia, tell her it was her birthday yesterday, so wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> well, whereabouts is she from, do you know? Uh, she lives outside of Conyers. 
Oh yeah, I yeah. live on the other yeah. end. I yeah. live near Savannah. Yeah. Well, you never know. You might, you know, she she might go there for she might go to Savannah for a birthday. Because Georgia isn't a big state or anything. It's not. It's not like yeah. Massachusetts. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, but anyway, yes, I was at uh, my local oil change place, and I've got a 2014 Edge, and you know they do other tests, mm-hmm. and um, and. Uh, the guy walks in with a slip of paper to the counter girl, and the counter girl tells me I need a battery. And the slip of paper says that I have a 550 crank hour battery, mm-hmm. and I guess he put a load on it. I, I, I don't know. You can tell me. And uh, it shows 350 cranking amps, and they said, well, you need a battery. So I bought an Xside battery from them for $110. Is it, how do they do that test? And was it an accurate test? Well, they do it in one or two different ways. Uh, it used to be, we'll, we'll go we'll go way back in time. It used to be the battery testers were nothing more than a, it looked like a couple of jumper cables and an electric coil, and they push a button and it would put about a hundred amp load on the battery, and they'd watch a gauge, and if they saw the gauge drop down quick, it would usually be an indication that there was a a bad cell in the battery, or the battery just wasn't doing its job anymore. And it was a little bit vague. It was like green was good, yellow was so-so, and red was bad. Um, Or else what would happen is if it was a battery that you could pop the caps off of, you'd do the same test, and you'd look for bubbles in the cells, and that would tell you the cell was on its way out. Um, Then they went to a more sophisticated test that used a uh, something called a carbon pile tester, which put a which put a serious load on the battery. It would vary. That gave you pretty good results, and that let you know what was really happening. And then they got more computerized and still put a load on the battery. And then lately, they've been using a test that's uh, that that. Uh, puts no load on the battery at all, but it measures the battery. And, and at AAA, where I work, we're using a new battery testing tool. And it it works so good and so accurately, it scares me how simple it is. You hook it up, and uh, you actually uh, connect it to a cell phone or a tablet, and you press a button on a tablet, it does something. But you put in what the battery's rated at. So you put in that the battery's rated at 550 cold cranking amps, and it does some magic, calculates what's out, and then it says, you know, this battery is 250 amps, uh, suggesting to replace it. 350 amps, battery's marginal, you know, could give you trouble in the future. So in in a hot weather state like Georgia, um, here up in the northeast, batteries last uh, five, six years, sometimes seven. In hot weather states, they, they last two, three, four years. So you're probably at the point where it wouldn't surprise me that, in fact, you know, your battery, your, you know, 300 cold cranking amps is not terrible. And you probably, if you lived up here in the Northeast, I'd say to you, Chuck, uh, you know, what I would do is uh, when winter rolls around, I think about replacing the battery. But since your winter is only about 40 degrees, it's more as the hot weather is coming, that's when your battery is going to fail. So, um, yeah, so, yeah. so I think, you know, the, the accuracy of the test, especially with some of this new equipment, is amazing how good it is. So, so within the 200 cold cranking amps, I was, I was destined for a failure. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you were at the point where... Um, yeah, you couldn't. You can't go out and buy a battery with that low a cranking amps unless it was going in a lawn tractor or motorcycle or something. So, so yeah, it's oh, really? yeah. So, so you're you know at you know your your battery had about 
you know, 50 or 60% of the capacity that it had when it was new. So not a half bad idea to replace it. So, All right, good. Okay. Well, uh, show was very informative, and uh, I appreciate you every week. All right, well, thank you very much, and thanks for listening, and tell all your friends down in Georgia to listen, too. I will. All right, take care. Bye-bye, Thanks, Chuck. John. Bye. Hey, Sully's over there just kind of hanging out, looking we, at, what was it, birthday, birthday card? Birthday what card, is it? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Got a birthday card. You got a birthday, birthday? card? Uh, last Monday was my birthday. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Emerald Bill sent a nice card. Was there Was there, uh, Was there? there money in it? Because uh, that, that would that, be special. That would <laughs> be special no, if you, no, you opened it up bill, and there was like a $5 bill in there. Bill's on something. hard times, obviously. Thanks, Bill, though. That's really sweet. So he wrote a little note about my dad. He says, uh, please tell your dad that the radio thing much more than worked out. Did <laughs> 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 I ever tell you the story? My dad said, that radio thing's never going to work. It's never going to work out, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was with him a little while ago. I said, Dad, they've been on the air for like 40-some years. I guess the radio thing well, kind of worked out anyway. Yeah. Well, that's what Howard Stern's father told him, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that radio thing's never going to work, work out. out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Howard's doing a little better than I am. But, but, uh, but you, don't, you don't get half a billion dollars I, a year I, like I he do does? I do not. No? Do, no. But, yeah, I, I don't have to work as hard as he does either. He works three days a week. I work three hours a week. Yeah, but you also have another job. I do. Yeah. I do. So. Yep. Yep. What's up? <laughs> uh, you know, just uh day before Father's Day, I want to wish everybody out there a happy Father's Day. And, mm-hmm. uh you go uh, through the litany of fathers, grandfathers, fathers in law. Fathers, yeah, fathers, fathers in law, grandfathers, great grandfathers, yeah. yeah. fathers to be. Fathers to be, yep. Yeah, all, all that stuff. So, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, all the dads out there get to uh, enjoy their day with their families. <laughs> yeah, or rain, I think. Or, isn't or, it, or else, isn't it, uh, isn't it going to rain tomorrow? Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever the right thing to do for Father's Day, either enjoy your day with your family or. Get left alone, which, whichever, whichever exactly. people want to do. So, so uh, you know, I've, I've scoured the archives to see how many Father's songs there are. Of course, there are like There's one, right? two million Mother's yeah. songs. Isn't there just like one Father's Day yeah, song? Let's put it this way. Dad got kind of left behind. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll find a few. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Hey, the piano guy is, I hear him. There he is. There he is. So uh, I want to wish everybody, uh, Father's to be, Current fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-uncles, I don't know. Anybody who could possibly somehow influence a child, happy Father's even Day to them. Even if your father told you your career wasn't going to work out at some point. Yeah, Still, even, yeah even the father who said, uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe you should maybe you should get your truck driver's license. Yeah, if the word ne'er-do-well yeah. ever yeah. came out in a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> even, even those dads. Even, even those dads. Yeah. Even those dads. Absolutely. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. of my hometown